Welcome to St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Saratoga Springs, New York, where we are gathered by God to share the love of Jesus. This week, we continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit. Here is this week's message on joy from Pastor Adam Wiegand. Grace and mercy and peace to all of you from God, who is our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. As I mentioned at the beginning of the service, the word joy has been kind of co-opted and corrupted and changed into a thing that we manufacture ourselves. And it's something that if on Facebook or Instagram you are projecting joy, people will think of you as a, a joyful person. That's kind of the way social media works. It's also when you go to a huge event, some sort of uh, game or concert or something along those lines, the energy that's there is usually full of what we think of as joy. But really, that's like exuberance. It's a great thing that's going on, and you're having a great experience with one another. But joy actually is very individual. It is, it's in a relationship between you and somebody else. So I can say with Mary Ann, my wife, that I have joy that she is my bride. And I hope that she has joy that, that I'm her husband. But joy doesn't always express itself in an explosion or some sort of great celebration. It, it expresses itself in a deep satisfaction that it's right and good with our souls. Sometimes it's going to put a smile on our face or a song in our mouth, and sometimes it's going to make us literally jump for joy. But it's got to come from outside in before it can come from inside out. The disciples, as they were going along the road and in the house there at Capernaum with Jesus, were about three years into Jesus' ministry. They were getting towards that spot where they were moving from gathering people to the movement of Christ so that they could follow in the way to the spot where Jesus said, I've got to humble myself and become obedient to the will of my Father. And today's gospel tells us what that looks like. He says, the Son of Man, he's talking about himself when he says that, the Son of Man is going to be given to the hands of men and they're going to kill him. What? Where's the joy in that? And then he says, but don't worry, <laughs> after three days, he's going to rise. Now contrast what Jesus is talking about there with what the disciples had been talking about along the way. And Jesus kind of picked at that and said, what was that that you were talking about? And they were ashamed because, as Mark tells us, they were talking about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They were boasting. It must be Peter because he's, you know, the fisherman and bold and he does all these things impetuously and Jesus rescues him. And John says, well, maybe it's me because, you know, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. And, and James, who is John's brother, says, who, what do you think? He likes me better. And all of the others were doing the same. Who's the greatest? And Jesus gives them some instruction. He says, if you're going to be great, you got to be the least of all. And he takes a child. He says, what power does this child have? What influence does this child have? 
What kind of following does this child have? What kind of person is this child? He needs. He is the one that receives. And I tell you, he's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And if you receive him, you're receiving me. Because the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is who, ultimately? Sunday school answer, who is it? Jesus, right? But what does Jesus do? Jesus humbles himself. And he takes the form of a servant and becomes obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, was this something that the father forced him to do? No. He did it willingly. He did it lovingly. Whoever it was that wrote the book of Hebrews said this, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, scorned the shame. Now, Jesus said some crazy things from the cross, like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was his joy. Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That was his joy. It is finished, he says, and that was his joy. It's not exuberance, is it? It's a deep satisfaction that knowing that things have now been set right, and they're good. But still, even in the shadow of the cross, after the cross, we're still arguing about who's the greatest. We talk about it in our sports teams, and that's kind of a little bit of a distance away from us. We do it in our politics, and there are some you know, consequences to elections that way. We do it you know, geopolitically, where there's posturing one country against another. We do it most dangerously, you know, in our own hearts. And there was one person going back a little while now, who was famous for saying that he was the greatest. It's this guy. You know who that is, right? Muhammad Ali. Cassius Clay, he was born and baptized and converted into Islam and took on the name Muhammad Ali. And here he is in full Muhammad pose going, I am the greatest. And he said some other things too, like I'm a bad man. And he was very full of himself. He was very confident in his abilities. And it comes from a great ability that he had. But it was an ability that over time robbed him. You know the story of Muhammad Ali. This is going back into the 1960s that that picture was taken. A much later picture of Muhammad Ali was this one. Remember that? This was in Atlanta. In 1996, Muhammad Ali had taken so many blows to the head that he had brain injury after brain injury after brain injury. Here he is at the Olympics. He was the final leg of the torch relay that was to light the Olympic flame there in 1996. And if you remember this image, you might also remember how much the Parkinson's had robbed him of his strength how he shook and shuddered and appeared to be half of his former self. Now, a lot of people gave him great accolades for demonstrating such incredible strength and resolve in this way, but no one would look at this man in this day and say he's the greatest because the world looks with different eyes than God does. King David wrote 
that man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Which is why there's a lot in Scripture about humility. What our task is, is to see in humbling ourselves joy that God honors that and lifts us up. And so there's a couple of scriptures that we've gone over today fairly quickly. I want to slow down and read a couple of them to one another so that we can explore what's going on here and then come out of this sermon thinking, what can I do today and tomorrow to find joy in being humble? That's the goal. What can I do today, tomorrow, every day to find joy, that fruit of the Spirit, in being humble? So let's read this one together. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples privately to instruct them. So he's instructing us as disciples today, same way. And Jesus said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. I see this in the Christian Childhood Center kids around here, our toddlers up through about five-year-old kids. And they go places, as they do in schools, in lines. You've seen this. You've done this. Everybody lines up, and then they're making the way to the playground or downstairs to the fellowship hall or wherever they happen to be coming up here to chapel. And what happens is the line starts out with one person at the front, and all of a sudden there's a little bit of bumping and jostling, and then there's another person at the front. And there's a little bit more bumping and jostling. And there's another person at the front. And there's repositioning within these lines. Everybody wants to be up the front of the line. Maybe you've experienced this not in preschool, but in traffic. Have you ever seen the people going, you know, 80 miles an hour in the right-hand lane only to pull over in front of somebody that was going one mile an hour a little bit slower than they are, cutting them off and being in danger? Everybody wants to be there first. Or maybe at Price Chopper or Market 32, or Hannaford, or BJ's, and you see that the lines at the, at the cashiers are getting longer, and so you increase your pace just to get there one person ahead of it. And we do this all the time. We try to become first, and we do it on our own efforts. And we put ourselves in that spot. Let me ask, when the time comes that you see somebody zooming up on the right-hand lane, and you slow down a little bit and let them in. Occasionally, do you get a little wave in the mirror? Or if there's somebody that you actually hold off for at the cashier line and let them go first, turn and say, hey, thanks. There is in God's design a blessing in being humble, in saying, no, go ahead, go ahead you go first. There is an imitation of Christ in that. What does our Lord do? Our Lord puts himself literally last of all. He could be first of all. He is above all. But he says, no, no, I'm going to be last of all. Remember what Jesus was talking about when he was talking to the disciples? He's not talking about how they should live talking about what he's going to do. He's making his way to Jerusalem, and he's going to die. He's putting himself last of all, and them, and us, 
and the whole world first before himself. My favorite part of the book of Philippians, and I say this when I have the opportunity to bless people that are going into ministry, which you are, no matter if it's as a layperson, the ministry that God has given to you through your vocations, as moms and dads, as employees, as bosses, as people in your family, as neighbors, these are all ministry opportunities for you. I say this, have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus our Lord who even though he was in very nature God, did not count his equality with God as something to be exploited. But instead, he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant and became obedient, obedient even to death on a cross. And it says, therefore, God has highly exalted him. It's not that he exalted himself and God recognized it, it's that he humbled himself and God lifted him up. That's the path for us. That's the path for us. And that's what James was talking about in his epistle. Now, if you ever read the epistle of James, you would not find a whole lot of joy in there. That is a very heavy book. But here we get to this beautiful equation that is given. This is our second verse from that we want to look at today. Let's say it together. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. It's his job, not ours. Our job is to recognize our great need. Our job is to recognize the times that we've failed, the times that we've not been the greatest. As a matter of fact, we've been the least of these. To recognize the times we've turned away and have said and done things that are not helpful to our souls or anybody else's. The time when we recognize that we are a, a creation that is disobedient and dysfunctional in relation to a creator that is gracious and merciful. Isn't there joy in that? Isn't there a deep satisfaction to know that God is making things right? with us when we recognize who he is and what he can do and what he has done and what he always will do in order that we might be his own, that he might exalt us because our trajectory is not downward. As we live out our faith, as we continue to return daily to him, to ask him to enliven us, to strengthen us, to give us mercy that we need, to give us the peace that allows us to live with one another, to give us all of those fruit of the Spirit. God gladly gives them to us. They're his gifts to us. He wants us to have them. So we humble ourselves and say, please give me those things. And as we receive them, God lifts us up. And in lifting us up, we become his ambassadors on earth. Imagine that, you and me, ambassadors of heaven. The ones that God has entrusted his love and mercy to, that is a place of honor. He lifts us up. And then, not only that, he lifts us up and he places on our heads, when the time comes that we see him face to face, crowns. And we sit on thrones and guests of honor for whom all of heaven rejoices in joy to know that you have come home to the blessings that God has prepared for you. 
But the first task is to humble ourselves. The first task is to find joy in the places where otherwise we'd be in jeopardy, knowing that God has made up all that we lack. And God gives us all that we need. And God rejoices over us because we've humbled ourselves and to receive what he's prepared for us. It's a long way that people go in order to exalt themselves. But it goes like this. Either one day we will humble ourselves that God might exalt us, or one day God will be exalted in humbling us. That choice is in our hands. He's already done everything we need to do. He, need, he needs to do to bring us to be his people. Now, how are we responding? Let's respond the way that little child did to receive the blessing of Jesus. Let's respond the way James encourages us to humble ourselves before the Lord and then let him be about the business of exalting us. We won't have to worry about managing our appearance, our, our reputation, ourselves. He'll take care of it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise. May the peace of God that passes all of our human understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church, please visit spalutheran.org. God's blessings to you. Go in peace and serve the Lord.